0: Hi, my name is Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. Uh, The the psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world. Of the world within and so you see the man who is going by the external world by the influences of the external world say society or perceptions sense perceptions thinks that he he is more valid don't relate yourself to any person anything any idea tell me Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today. If this is your first time, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everyone that takes the time out to share, to tune in, to leave a review. And if you haven't, but you've been enjoying some of my recent episodes, please take the time out to leave a review so that we can spread this message and uh, reach more people. So with that said, let's get into it. What I want to talk about today is something that I've been wanting to Do a podcast on for a while, but I wanted to organize my thoughts and see what approach I wanted to take. But today I want to discuss why porn is not your friend and the harm that it's causing your relationships. And when I say relationship, I'm not only talking about the relationship with your partner if you're in a relationship, but also the relationship with yourself. And for anyone that's listening that is a gender non-conforming person or a trans person, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really happy you're here. I'm really happy you've been listening if this is not your first time tuning in. So in this episode, my message, I'm going to use men and women a lot throughout the conversation, but I want anyone listening that does not conform to that binary to understand that when i'm speaking about men and women that it can still relate to your experience because what i'm speaking on is something that impacts all of us but in our relationships as well there are always there's always somebody that finds more resonance that finds themselves more identified with the masculine pole Right. And there's somebody that finds themselves more identified, more comfortable with being in the feminine pole. Right. And that means that the masculine, the person in the relationship that finds themselves identified as masculine means that they have a desire. They feel comfortable in a state of penetration. Right. And the feminine pole means that they identify and find themselves being more comfortable in a state of receiving penetration. So throughout this conversation, I just want anyone that's listening that does not conform to these binaries to know that when I say men and women, you can still relate to the message and still apply it and integrate it in your relationship, in the context of your relationship. Uh, So I just wanted to state that before I go into it. So why porn is not your friend? The reason I say it's not your friend is because there's been this culture of accepting, and even welcoming porn into relationships, even utilizing it as a way to bring the passion back in a relationship, bring the fire back in a relationship. And the reason I'm saying that it's not our friend is because the harm it does outweighs any benefits that we think we're getting out of it, that we think we're getting from experiencing or watching this content, or sharing this content with our partners, or consuming this content while we're in a relationship, or consuming this content in our own alone time. So there's little to no benefit that comes from consuming this kind of content. And the harm and the hurt we cause ourselves and our relationships outweighs anything that we could label as A benefit or some usefulness of this content. So I'm not only going to point out the problems and the issues with consuming porn, but I'm also going to share solutions for anyone that has found themselves struggling to stop watching porn. I know for myself, I was one of those people, and I just want to share tools and uh, ways of going about that that I feel would be really helpful to anyone uh, listening and anyone in the relationship to also share uh, some insights that I feel would be beneficial to anyone that's in relationship and wants to find a way to navigate the current state of their relationship as a result of porn being consumed maybe by one person or both people. And now you want to find out how can I fix this in my relationship? How can I rewrite this in my relationship? How can I approach that differently in my relationship? So there's definitely going to be that there in this conversation as well. So uh, let's get into it. So I'm going to share my own personal experience first and then kind of get into a little bit about what I've learned throughout that time. So I was a child that was heavily, heavily sexually restricted. I'm sure my sisters had it even harder than me. But my experience was very difficult as a curious teen that's now being into women, that's now having all of these hormones arise in me that's that's having these desires right and it was very difficult because my parents were very religious and dogmatic and they were also foreign so i was raised in america but my parents weren't so their ways of viewing the world were very different because they came from africa And the ways of relating to the world and the ways of showing up in uh, in relation to family dynamics and work and education and even sex were just so, so, in my opinion, rigid. So I couldn't even have a girlfriend uh, just to share how rigid it was. And until I was like 18 or 19, but I had girlfriends, but I could never share with my parents that I had a girlfriend because The container that they created for me and my siblings was so small, tight, and rigid that we had barely any room to kind of breathe or explore, try to get to know ourselves. But they also didn't provide any tools, education, or share with us anything that would be valuable for us. They only shared things that they felt were valuable, but in terms of protecting us from some danger, protecting us from some kind of influence or some toxic American culture that they were witnessing and kind of like believed was out there and could harm us at any moment and could get us off our paths. So I, as a child, having these natural desires to know what intimacy is about, to know what it means to engage with a woman and not having any anyone to turn to, to kind of help me with that. I had an older brother, but he was just on his own path. And he wasn't really supportive. He really wasn't there. And when he did share things with me, it was he more showed up in a way to where he socialized me how to perceive women, how to look at sex, and how to interact and relate with women. It was more from a place of socializing me uh, to devalue women, to look at them as objects. And so that also influenced me very early on because he was four years older than me. So The place where he was experiencing all of this was a lot different for me. I was just trying to get my first kiss. So all of that early on created this excitement to find out what this is all about. But I couldn't find out what it was all about because I would get in trouble. Like I would literally be punished, beat my, I was physically abused, I was verbally abused. So it's kind of like this inner conflict inside of myself to where I want to be obedient, but I also want to give in to these desires that I know are natural. And it was really, really hard. But what I ended up doing early on was I then, through that containment, there were parts of me that were just bursting out randomly. I I remember just being really young and just having like all of these thoughts about being with women at maybe like, I think I was like third or, or fourth grade. And it was really hard to not know what to do with those emotions and not know what to do with those desires. And I remember I was so uneducated that I thought me reading the word sex in the dictionary was a form of education. And what was also a form of like pornography. I remember thinking that when I was reading the, the word sex in the dictionary, as I think I was definitely in like fourth grade, I remember thinking like, wow, I'm like consuming some kind of pornography right now. And I remember being ashamed of reading that word 10 times, like reading the definition of it like 10, 15 times, and also being ashamed at the same time. All of that led up to a lot of anxiety that I had in my body. I had a lot of stress, um, not just from what was going on inside of my family and what was going on at school, but I just was always so stressed. And I didn't know I had anxiety. But one of the ways that I would, as I got older, I didn't know I was doing this, but one of the ways that I started to cope with this anxiety was through self-pleasure, was through masturbation. And it was when I was, In that place, it was when I was consuming this content that everything inside of me, I didn't know, but I finally felt at ease and I finally felt comfort. I finally felt safety. So for me, throughout my childhood and into my teens and even into my adulthood, for about 15, 17 plus years, I used porn as a medium to regulate myself to help me regulate through the intense anxiety that I was experiencing. And I would say that made up 90% of the moments that I would consume porn. So I would identify myself as somebody that was addicted to porn for 15 plus years. With that being said, I've been sober for a year and a couple of months. This is the first time that I've ever been able to go this long without consuming porn because it had such a grip on me. I remember when I was about 23 and I realized that, wow, I need to stop this. And I remember early on, even in my teens, that I didn't want to consume the porn anymore, but I didn't know why I couldn't stop. And it's only when I realized that I was an anxious child and an anxious teen that was under so much stress that i realized that wow i've been doing the best i could to try and regulate my nervous system and i had nobody around me that ever taught me how to deal with this level of stress Porn became that coping mechanism. Porn became that, it became my resource to regulate through those big and difficult emotions that I would have throughout d- throughout my day, throughout my relationships, throughout my work or as an adult. And it was recognizing that, that actually started to change everything. Because up until that point, I couldn't find a way to stop. But when I realized I was just very stressed out, and I didn't have another outlet, I started finding other outlets to help me regulate through the stress that I was experiencing. And then getting into my current relationship, I knew for myself, there's no way that I'm going to build the container, the relationship and the love and the intimacy that I want to build and create with this person while consuming this content. I never looked back again. And so that's my that's my story. I I say that to say even though I am a year and a couple of months sober, I have throughout my relationship, especially early on, I was experiencing the withdrawal symptoms that people that are addicted to substances have. And I find this episode important to record and share especially with men because it's only in that experience of detoxing and fasting and not consuming this content for the time that I have that I realized the damage it had done to me I didn't I remember reading articles about this all of the time when I was trying to stop and they were talking about all these changes in the brain that are happening in through consuming this content, that there's this unnatural high level of dopamine that's secreted in the brain, which this reward system that the brain has becomes completely damaged through consuming this content over and over and over and over again, repeatedly throughout many years. And I didn't think I had that issue. And then I looked at my inability to follow through with with projects or to follow through with work or to commit to other things in my life, even my relationships. And so this kind of leads me into the damages for anyone consuming is that, I, and I'll speak from my own experience, because I didn't realize that my inability to commit to my projects, my artwork, my anything that I was creating in my life that could have also that includes partnerships and friendships. I couldn't commit to those things, right? Because part of that on some level, it included a myriad of things. but on another level, one of the reasons was because I was consuming the content that I was consuming. And what I mean that the damage it does to the reward system and that means that when I consume content like this, I train my brain to think that there is no hard work involved when you're making an effort towards happiness, pleasure, joy, or even regulation, right? There's no hard work in that. So the damage is in the fact that I consume a two-minute video, a 10-minute video, right? Under two minutes, right? And I get exactly what I wanted from it. Within those two minutes, there was nothing difficult for me in that process. I either grabbed my phone or my laptop, and then I popped on whatever I wanted to watch, right? I have a thousand categories to choose from. I have 10,000 women to look at. I have a million scenes to view between that meet my need at that time, right? And then even worse, I have the ability to move forward at whenever I want or to move backward whenever I want. But I also can pause at any moment that I want. And I also can turn it off at any moment that I want. Right. So I get to have this level of control in these moments when I'm consuming this content. But this is damaging. Because then I then start to believe believe this is how things work in the world, right? So when the world doesn't work the way porn works and I don't have that level of control to rewind a moment that I regret or to fast forward through a challenge or a hardship or a difficult conversation in my relationship, right? Or a difficult three months in my relationship with my partner. I can't fast forward through that. I have to sit in that discomfort. I have to sit and find a way to move through this with the person that I'm with, right? Or a project. I have to sit in the discomfort of not having clarity on what I want to create, how to finish this project, or even how to begin this project, right? But when I don't recognize that this is the damage that this content has done to my brain, right? I then developed this inability to commit to my own life. So I believe that the world is in the palm of my hands because everything that I want to consume and receive pleasure, joy, bliss, all of that, everything that I want to consume is in the palm of my hands and it's completely within my control. But life does not work like that. So this was one of the biggest things that I realized was one of my challenges that came up immediately throughout my period of being sober and in my relationship is that when we reached tough patches, when we reached moments where we didn't see eye to eye for two days or we had a disagreement, I was like, whoa, how the hell do I get out of here? And That is my own trauma. That is my own flight response. I'm not saying that's everyone's. And that's my own avoidant attachment style as well. But what I'm saying is that on some level, right, outside of my trauma, porn also influenced me to start believing that I don't have to work for things in my life. So let's now go into relationships and how that impacts us. Because when we consume porn, right, I'm watching whatever content I'm consuming, I also start to internalize a belief around sex because like myself, I'm pretty sure there are other men and women that did not have systems of education and also parents that were systems of education to rightfully uh, initiate and also, and inform us about this experience, what we can expect from it, how to best prepare and, and, some of the things that we can even look forward to when it comes to intimacy, like being intimate with another human being when you love them dearly and you care about them. There are very, there's a small population of humans that can say they had that system of education in school or even even between their own parents. And I am one of those people, but what happens when that is not, ...in our environments as children, as teens that are growing up and are developing these desires... ...is that we then, if we consume these content, we have access to this content... ...we then use porn as a system of education. And the problem with that, when we still use that system of education, quote-unquote... ...and we don't see it as a form of entertainment right? And we still consume that content in adulthood and in our relationships. The damages that take place in our relationship is that we first need to understand that when I'm watching two people engage with each other on a porn scene that are porn stars, I don't realize that these people are actors. They're not really in love They don't really care about each other and they're faking it. So the man is enjoying it on some level, but the woman is pretending to be turned on. That is the actual irrefutable fact about porn scenes is that the woman is pretending that the women involved in porn scenes, the porn stars there are pretending to be turned on, to be aroused, to be in love, to be excited about the man that they're with. They are pretending. So for the men listening, the harm that this is causing you when you continuously consume this content, especially in your relationships, is that you probably have lost the ability to sense genuine and real pleasure. When a woman is in in a deep state of pleasure, enjoyment, and fulfillment in that space, in that container with you, you consuming this content over time, you've lost that ability to detect that. Because when you consume this content, just as I have early on in your life, you're not taught, you're not trained and reminded that, hey, when you're consuming this content, this is entertainment, these people are actors, none of this is real right? So you don't come to consuming porn with that level of discernment, right? So especially early on, you think this is how sex works, right? And part of that is men are at the forefront. Men's pleasure is at the forefront. It is what matters, right? And so that develops a level of entitlement as well. My pleasure comes first. When the scene ends is when the man is finished, right? So my arousal, right? My fulfillment, my pleasure is at the forefront as a man. This is what I'm learning, right? But I'm also missing out on the cues of a woman not enjoying the sex that she's experiencing, right? I don't know how to detect that. For example, in our life, when we walk around the world, when we are at work, right, especially in work environments, we can tent, we can sense when somebody gives us a fake smile, right, a disingenuine "How are you doing?" We can sense that this person wasn't really genuine when they smiled at us or asked us how we're we doing or said "I'm happy to see you today." we can sense that they're not genuine. We can sense the cues. We can read their body language. We can read their facial expressions. And we can detect that, wait, maybe this person is really upset at me or maybe this person really doesn't want to be here right now or whatever is going on. Whatever they just said wasn't genuine, right? It wasn't. It probably wasn't authentic to them. But when I consume porn, I lose the ability to detect this. My partner... I lose the ability to detect when she's in pain, when she's not enjoying it, when she's performing, when she's putting on a show for me, right? So that doesn't mean she's actually in pleasure. If she's putting on a show for me, it doesn't necessarily mean she's enjoying it. And 80% of women fake orgasms. That means 80% of men can't tell that a woman just faked an orgasm right? So why do 80% of women fake orgasms? Well, one is that men can't tell that they're faking the orgasm to kind of look at them and say, baby, you know, you don't have to do that. This is a safe space for you. And let's, let's be vulnerable here. Let's share an intimate experience. And you, we, don't, we don't have to do that for each other. I love you just as you are. Let's come and let's be authentic, right? Men can't even get to that place to even have a conversation like that. But the other flip side of it is for the women consuming is that when you consume porn, what you also train yourself to do is to see sex as a performance, a performance for the man, not an experience that you have where you experience pleasure as well, right? You then learn to see sex as something you give a man. Rather than something you engage with that fills you up inside, that deepens the connection with yourself, that deepens the connection with the person that you're with, right? You see it as something that you give him, right? And it's something that is also a form of control over him. This is something that's not really talked about often, is that when this continues... What usually happens is that in most relationships, especially marriages that have been going on for 20, 30 plus years, is that the man usually desires the woman more than she desires him. He usually desires to be with her, to be intimate with her more than she desires to be intimate with him. And this is a tool of control now right because even though the woman isn't really receiving pleasure from any of these experiences she has a form of control over the situation she controls sex and also using as a tool to control him right to get him to be what she needs him to be not what he needs to rise and be for himself right? And show up in the relationship as better or healthier or safer, but as someone that is there to meet her desires, because the, the desire for pleasure in terms of sex is gone, right? So it's like, where else can I receive some level of benefit while being in this relationship? So it comes at a cost, right? It, when you're using sex as a means of control, the, the cost is your pleasure. You don't actually experience pleasure. And I know for most women that are faking their orgasms, 80% of women, that is a huge chunk of the population. That means you're also not in your body during the experience because it's not for you, right? Based on how we're relating to one another, it's not for you. It's for him. So how can you be connected inside of your body? You can't be inside of your body in those moments because if you were, you would experience that person, you would experience your body rejecting them. You'd experience your body energetically pushing them away from you, right? And instead of doing that, there's the performance and the performance only creates fantasies and it brings you into your mind, right and so when when we're in when we're in our minds we're no longer feeling this is one of the biggest issues with consuming porn is that we no longer know how to feel right we're no longer sensitized to touch we're no longer sensitized to a kiss on the neck we're no longer sensitized to being intimate with one another we don't know what that sensation truly feels like at its depths because when we consume this content we Create fantasies. We enter into the realm of fantasy. And in order to maintain a fantasy, you have to be in your head. You have to continue to envision it. You have to continue to imagine it. You have to continue to create scenarios so you can continue to experience what you think is pleasure. But when you're in your head, you're not in your body, nor are you feeling. You're locked out from your ability to feel. And why are we choosing to lock ourselves out from the ability to feel when we're being intimate with other people? It's because the people we're being intimate with are people that we don't feel safe with, right? Because intimacy is about vulnerability. And if I'm performing, right? If I'm using my body as a tool to perform for this person, What I then believe is that love, intimacy, my body is something that I give to another person to please them. But what that also ties me to is this belief that I have to earn love. When I'm acting, when I'm performing for others for their own pleasure, for their validation, for their approval of me, I then am essentially earning their love. Right? I'm earning their validation. But when I'm putting on this performance to earn this love, I cannot be myself because the space in which I am myself is absent and it's devoid of performance. It's authentic. It's organic. It's raw. It's in the moment, right? So the intimacy that we all desire as humans is only created through feeling so safe with another human being that you no longer need to perform Right? That love stops being a performance to please the other person. Right? But it becomes more of a gateway for us to remember our inherent freedom. And that freedom means the freedom to be myself, the freedom to say, This is my hair. This is how it grows on my body. These are my birthmarks. These are my stretch marks. This is my weight. This is my height. These are my eyes. This is my scent embrace me or don't, but this is who I am. And it's only in those moments of deep vulnerability can we actually experience a level of intimacy that we want to share and we all desire to create in those intimate moments with another human being. But this is only possible when we no longer fear the possibility of being rejected by the other person, the possibility of them abandoning us when we're saying, this is who I am, this is my body right? This is how I'm showing up in this space. This is where I'm at, right? Not going into the performance of who do I need to be for this person to love me? Who do I need to be for this person to be intimate with me? Who do I need to be this person to uh, be intimate with me again, right? So porn really has taught us that female pleasure, right, is just another thing that women do for the benefit of men. And men also internalize this messaging. And they also believe that female pleasure is just another thing women do to benefit them, right? So what happens when I believe and I've internalized this messaging? I come to the bedroom with this level of entitlement. This is why women experience the lack of foreplay, right? The lack of men taking the time to get to know their bodies, to be with their bodies, right? To experience them on an intimate level before penetrating. Where that's centered in is this belief that sex is something women give to men. And sex is something men receive from women, right? Not a co-creative experience that we both engage in from a deep space of vulnerability, So I think it's important to start to take notice of these things and realize how it's impacting your current relationship and realize how it's impacted your last relationships. But I also want to share about how, you know, when we consume this content and we don't realize that the women are pretending is that we are also desensitized to women being in pain because a lot of these women throughout these scenes are in deep pain. They're not experiencing pleasure. Most of them are in pain, right? So we become desensitized to the pain of a woman, especially during sex, right? Because one, she's doing her own thing. She's probably performing. But the other is I miss all of these cues. I miss all of those cues to where her body is actually in pain. It's rejecting me, right? It doesn't want me in that moment. It's saying no. It's giving me a full no. And I'm missing all of those cues, And part of that has to do with the fact that porn is a way that we eroticize abuse. Because a lot of the porn that people consume, right, is more of the violent stuff. The the, the popular stuff, the mainstream stuff, is the stuff that is inherently and obviously violent and abusive, right? So we learn to eroticize abuse, and when we're eroticizing abuse, we need to realize that we're also eroticizing the pain of women, because porn is a porn is there to fulfill men's desires, right? Men are at the forefront of how porn is curated. It, it caters to men's needs and desires, right? And this is a big reason why we always see these people that are hairless, literally hairless, completely shaved off, and interacting with one another in this way, having sex. But that's not real. But it's for the male gaze, right? Because as men, we have a discomfort with a woman's the way her body naturally expresses itself. And one of those is through hair. For majority of men, that's an issue. I'm not saying that's all, man, but for majority of men, that's an issue. When a woman starts to grow hair on her body, that's why this is such a rebellion for women to grow their armpit hair, right? To allow themselves to have hair on their arms, allow themselves to not shave their legs because once they stop attaching, right, their expression of their femininity to the male gaze, they find more freedom in expressing these things. But what I'm saying is that even to the to the point of how hairless, how shaved, the people that we're watching have sex with each other is also there to meet the man's desires. Because women aren't uncomfortable in their hair. They love it. They understand that's a natural part of their body. So as men, we really don't know how to experience a woman in her vulnerability or even how to welcome and create a space that encourages that because on another level, we're consuming this content that actually goes against the container that we would desire to create for our women. So part of the process of creating those containers is by first unlearning everything that we've learned from watching porn consistently throughout our lives. But that requires us to start to attune ourselves to the pain of women, right? To our partner's authentic desires. And when I say authentic desires, it's that when she really wants to have sex, tuning into her no, her full body no. But being able to create the space to where she has the freedom to express that no to express what she really feels, to communicate what's in her heart, to communicate that she doesn't like something that you do, that she doesn't like when you say this to her, that she doesn't like how it feels when this happens. She first needs to have the container created for her to also feel that that's safe to do, right? And then whether she chooses to after the container is created, is her own responsibility. But it's important to see that for majority of the reason that women don't communicate this outside of their own guilt and shame and uh, regret that they need to work through and difficult emotions that they need to process through another reason that they may not communicate this to you or their partner whoever it may be is that men are fragile like our egos are very fragile Well, the reason that they're fragile is because we have a very difficult time processing what we believe to be rejection right? So a woman communicating to us that she doesn't like our performance, right? We internalize that as rejection rather than something to reflect on, rather than something to take into consideration, rather than seeing it as a challenge to actually be more authentic, to actually bring more intimacy into the space, right? We internalize that and we get upset. We feel rejected. We get upset. We don't want to engage anymore, right? We We do everything else but what I mentioned earlier, accept the experience, welcome it, and use it as a tool of reflection, right? But that creates, when we have that, a woman knows. When we have that inability to process through that level of criticism or feedback, right, she knows that. And what happens is she's blocked from speaking her undiluted truth to us sharing that with us and saying hey this is how i really felt about that experience right and when we don't create containers for that we believe that we're pleasuring our partners that we're both here having a good time i remember reading this tweet once it was hilarious but it was like you know i wish that at the end of sex that a woman's vagina went womp, 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 womp. After a man failed to please her, after a man failed to really pleasure her. And so that more men could know how shitty they were in bed. And I laughed my ass off. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious, but reflecting on it now, I think it's uh, that would be great because there are so many women in the world, there's so m- the large majority of women that have not experienced pleasure. In, in their intimate life. And it's because men can't attune themselves as men. We can't attune ourselves to the needs of our partners and then develop the capacities to be able to meet those needs. Right. And that's the openness. That's the listening. That's the OK, I'm going to take that and reflect on it. OK, how can I bring more vulnerability to the space? How can I you know, create a safer container for you? we can't even begin to get to that place. We're completely desensitized to the feeling of somebody not truly enjoying being with us because we're not feeling what's happening in the experience. So for the men that have been listening and have been working through this and want to stop or found value in this and even want to take steps to that, I think it's important to start to see how this has been influencing you, has shaped all of the things that you would define as challenges in your intimate life, but also in your own personal life. Identify those things, make a list of them. And start to recognize, like, when did this begin for you? Because for some men, it's more about societal conditioning that they then start to consume porn, right? Because they're socialized to consume porn. There's porn culture that kind of promotes and encourages and validates the consumption of porn. But then there's people like myself, there's individuals like myself that this addiction and I'm not saying everyone listening has an addiction to porn. I'm saying that for me, I identified it as an addiction because I literally could not stop. So I'm saying that for the people that have consumed this, from a place of coping with the trauma and the abuse that they experience, right? Being able to identify and track what is that trauma? What is that abuse? And even tracking the 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 desire and and even tracking in the moments the desire to go to this content what are you feeling inside of your body before you do that right and how do you feel afterwards because more often than not especially for myself that's how i knew it was something that i wanted to stop doing was that every time at the end of a video right after my self-pleasure i wouldn't feel good inside of my body So that always told me that this is something that I need to find a way to stop, right? Because if it was something that I enjoyed, I would feel great afterwards. Like, for example, after a workout, right, my first initial moments up until that workout are I'm dreading it, I'm super exhausted, I'm not excited about the workout. I'm like, oh, I have so many other things I could be doing. But once I make it out of that workout, at the end of that workout, I feel amazing. I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I did that workout. I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, Phew, I feel amazing. I'm my, my summer body is coming in, whatever it is, I feel this level of confidence. I feel this level of excitement, right, for the day, right? And this is something I dreaded before I began. So the action, the activity that I'm being involved in, the moment that activity ceases, the moment it ends, right? What I feel immediately in my body tells me whether that's something that's useful for me to continue, whether that's something that's not going to be productive for the life that I want to create for myself, right? So track how do you feel leading up to it and how do you feel after because that will let you know a lot about what you may think. You may even convince yourself that this is something that you enjoy, But track for yourself. How do you feel after? Remain in those three, four, five minutes, right? And ask yourself, listen to your body. Retune yourself, resensitize yourself to sensations, to feeling. And feel how you feel inside of your body. If you detect anything other than enjoyment, excitement, fulfillment, right? You already know for yourself everything you need to know from that feeling right there so the question becomes because for every addiction for every substance that's being heavily abused there is always an element of avoidance and substitution right so on some level i'm avoiding something what is that thing i'm avoiding ask yourself that and then on another level is what am i using this to substitute for Like, what is this a substitution for? When I consume this content, what am I using it to substitute? And for the women listening that have partners that are consuming porn, if you know for yourself, your partner is somebody that will not listen to you, will not receive your advice, will not receive your insight, will not think about changing himself when it comes to this, This is something that you either need to just accept or move on from. Because if you want him to change this, you want him to stop doing this because now you can see how it's affecting you or you've already known how it's affecting you and you want him to change it. But you know for yourself, he's not a man that's on the healing path. He's not really doing the inner work, right? He's not interested in changing himself at such a deep level at the core of who he is. You either just have to accept him and that's your own story. That's the love story that you choose to create. Or you move on and find another one. Create one that resonates, that is authentic to you. But if you have a man that you know is on the healing path, that's working on himself, right? Share this episode with him. Talk to him about these things. Find a way to create space for you guys to to talk about how you feel in your intimate spaces, to tell him how you want him to show up and tell him all the ways you feel that porn could be blocking him from sharing that experience with you. Because because again, it's about recognizing for yourself, sex isn't something that you're giving your partner. It's a shared experience. You're there too. That means your, your pleasure also needs to be just as important. So it's, it's like, what life do you want to live? And most of us can look at our, at our families. We can look at marriages that we've read about. Like a lot of these people, especially even women, the moment they get married, the moment they turn 40, the moment they turn a certain age, they completely go celibate in their marriages. They completely go celibate in their relationships because they have not been fulfilled in that arena of their relationship. Right? It's always been something to give the other person. It's always been something to give their partners. right? So rewriting that and making it an experience that is also about you. So a lot of this, when we're confronted with all of the ways that we've been living unconsciously can bring up a lot of shame, can bring up a lot of guilt, and can bring up a lot of regret, especially when it comes to consuming porn. I say that to say that it's important for us to recognize that we are a part of a large majority, and I mean large majority of humans that do not know how to relate to one another when it comes to intimacy. Like 90% of the world does not know how to engage with each other in a way that's safe, in a way that's healing, right? In a way that, in a way that encourages vulnerability. of people don't know because there are no systems of education. There are some that are showing up in certain spiritual spaces and certain tantric spaces or certain teachings that are coming up for people that it's being more mainstream. But again, we have to recognize that at the age that we started to involve ourselves in learning how to relate to intimacy in this way was very young. And we had very little tools to even be able to, to even create a positive foundation for our future relationships, right? The foundation that we built it on was the foundation that most people build it on, right? So being able to have self-compassion in those moments where we feel shame and kind of remind ourselves that, wow, this is something that, you know, especially with porn, this is something that 90% of people consume, So it's understanding that the reason that for most people, it's also hard to stop, it's also hard to let go, is because it's a a substance that everyone uses. It's a substance that is readily available at the touch of a, like at the type of a word, at the palm of your hands. There is no other substance or drug like that in the world right because when you think about cocaine when you think about heroin when you think about weed when you think about any or even alcohol when you think about all of these things they they're not as easily accessible as porn is right because in order to have alcohol i then have to be at a certain age and if i'm not at that certain age i then have to have connections and relationships to where i can access that alcohol right when it comes to all of these other drugs right? So when you have porn, that's something that this is not an accurate estimate, but I wouldn't be surprised if 90% of the population has and continues to consume porn on some level because the industry is booming, right? So that means people are watching these videos. Somebody is watching them and a lot of people based on the views, based on the different, the the millions of websites, based on the millions of categories, based on the millions of porn stars there are a lot of people that are consuming this content so that's what i mean It's that it's a drug that everyone has access to right so that makes it that much harder to stop that makes it that much harder to say oh let me put this down it's not like cocaine where everyone's looking around you like yo like you're doing cocaine bro like man like fuck is going on (laughs) are you okay You know, it's like porn. It's like, oh, bro, bro, it's porn, But I watch porn. Like, what do you mean? Me and my partner watch porn all the time. So it's difficult because the the moment you wake up to the reality and the harm that it's causing you, you'll be met by a lot of people that don't see it the same way that you do. That'll probably encourage you to pick it back up. That's what I mean is just having that compassion for ourselves because something that we're doing, this action that we're taking, Is something that very few people are doing, right? So whenever that shame comes in to have that level of self-compassion for ourselves, especially especially men, like any man listening to this, to understand that this is the dominating state that men are at, right? And for us to ask these questions, to go into the space of vulnerability, to invite these conversations in with our partners, we're already removed from majority, like a large majority of men so having that compassion but also seeing how courageous it is as well and using that shift in perspective to help us move through that shame that when we look at things that we've done that we are of course with the awareness that we have now we're not really fond of so there was a lot More I wanted to cover in this episode, but I just realized that I'm at the hour mark. If you're here and you made it to the end of this conversation, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with anyone that you know would find value from this. And if you've been enjoying my recent episodes, please feel free to leave a review. And thank you so much for, again, your support. It really means a lot to me. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.